0: You've heard Rex Barney give that fan a contract. Now it's time to give that fan a podcast. Dive into some Orioles baseball talk with your host, Ryan Blake. to give that fan a podcast. This is episode number 13. Shout out to Manny Machado. I'm your host, Ryan Blake, and uh, my guest in this episode is Orioles play-by-play broadcaster Kevin Brown. I'm very excited about this interview, but a little bit of change of pace. I'm actually recording this introduction uh, before the interview. That's that's unusual uh, compared to what I normally do. I generally do the interview and then record my little intro and outro. Uh this time we're switching it up, so I don't know uh how to preface what's what's about to happen. I think it's gonna be a fun conversation. Uh I'm gonna try to steer clear of um any issues that fans might be upset with Masson for different reasons, whether it's layoffs or not broadcasting spring training games. Uh I'm I'm not gonna dive into that, so if you if you're if you're expecting me to um try to get Kevin to say something about uh those situations, it's not gonna happen. Uh, but I do want to talk to him about uh, his preparation, about his, his current coworkers, about some of his former co-workers, and uh, and, and get his thoughts on the Orioles offseason, the return of Trey Mancini, some storylines that he's looking forward to. So all in all, I think it's going to be a fun episode. But like I said, I'm not going to bring up uh, the mass in dispute, the, the lack of spring training games, uh, laying off Gary Thorne. None of that's going to come up because, quite frankly, it doesn't have to. Uh, what's done is done. There's no going back and changing it, and and I'm not going to ask Kevin to speak on something that that could get him in trouble. So, uh, without further ado, I guess let's go ahead and uh, dive. I feel like I say dive into to the interview every single week. Is that? I don't know if I don't know if that's a thing. Also, I, I feel like with these introductions, I'm so not good or bad. I'm so bad at just talking to myself. Um, so I'm thinking about switching it up, maybe bringing on a co-host. I'm not really sure. We'll see. Time will tell. But uh, I do have Kevin Brown as my interview this week. Next week, I'm hoping to uh, set up a schedule with Mr. Jim Hunter, former Orioles play-by-play broadcaster, uh, master of ceremonies on opening day. I miss him very much. I look up to him as as a a personal uh, idol of mine growing up. So um, he told me to get back in touch with him in March, and it's now March. So I'm going to go ahead and reach out and see what I can do. But uh, let's go ahead and and chat with Kevin Brown. Like I said, I haven't uh, recorded this interview yet, so you guys are, uh, well, I guess obviously you're hearing it for the first time. Let's do it. All right. My guest in episode 13 is Orioles uh, play-by-play announcer, Mr. Kevin Brown. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me.
1: Hey, you're welcome, Ryan. Good to be with you.
0: Absolutely. Now. Uh, I just noticed this a couple of days ago. Uh, it's, it's been two years now since the Orioles announced their, that they hired you. It was February 28th of 2019. So I'd be remiss if I didn't wish you a happy two year anniversary as, as part of our family. Thank you. I, I
1: actually did not remember that until you reminded me, but I do remember <laughs> the day. Um, I got the job, I think pretty early on in February of that year. And it, it just wasn't official until later in February, contracts, mm-hmm. et cetera. Um, but the day it happened was a Thursday I was in Wichita for a UConn-Wichita State basketball game, and Samajay Haynes-Jones of Wichita State hit a buzzer-beating shot. I think was my second buzzer-beater ever. So it was a very fun day. It was a, a deluge of Twitter, well-wishes, and text messages early, and um it also happened to be one day after I decided that I was going to, in a strategy, to... Not look at my phone all the time. I was going to turn off my Twitter notifications. I literally didn't know that the 28th was going to be the day the press release was going to come out. And so, um, it pr- proved to be wonderful timing because like, and this is not to brag. This is just the way it goes. You know, I, I logged on of Twitter. I probably had 60 notifications because it had all just gone down. Um, so thankfully I decided to turn my notifications off before that. Otherwise, my phone would have just exploded from all the buzzing that day. So, yeah, memorable day. Really fun end of the basketball game. Fun beginning to the day. And um, went out to the Wichita Chicken and Pickle afterwards. Okay. Which was delight as well so yeah good a good day two years ago uh so thank you for for jogging my mind with some fun anniversaries.
0: of course it's certainly easier said than done to to stay off of twitter but definitely turning the notifications off is a good way to kind of put it on the back burner for at least a little bit
1: yes i recommend it to everyone
0: at least for your mental health every once in a while just for the sake of well-being now uh the orioles are down in sarasota masson is not broadcasting any games at the moment so what have you been up to what's what's your offseason been like
1: yeah, it's been like everybody else at times, um, finding various projects, writing a lot, reading a lot at times, watching a lot of TV at many times, learning to cook, learning to bake, having spells where I play a lot of piano, having spells where I work out a lot. Uh, the last few months playing a lot of online chess, thanks to the okay. Queen's Gambit. Uh, I have stayed pretty busy the last few months because of basketball season. I have a home setup in my office with ESPN. So, most weeks I'm doing one or two basketball games from home, which is amazing technologically. But I've got um, a laptop, a monitor, I have an Ethernet cord, um, which connects me to the folks back in Bristol, Connecticut. I've got a camera, I've got a light, I've got this whole setup. And a couple of times a week, usually this office turns into, um, a home office for basketball games. And then softball season started for me last week. So I have been keeping pretty busy with that, which is great because like everybody else, I'm sure, uh, for a few months, I just had nothing to do and tried to fill my days. But, but now I'm, I'm fairly busy with basketball season and here comes softball and now here comes baseball. So. Yeah, I'm going to be the right kind of busy again, I think.
0: Yeah, schedule's going to fill back up. Now, uh, with the Orioles in particular, I believe I read that, uh, their, their broadcasters will not be traveling with the team. Is that correct? At least for the beginning of the year or, or will you be with the team?
1: Yeah, I don't have all the specifics yet, but, but that's my expectation. And, And from everybody else that I've talked to at Major League Baseball, it does not sound like there will be broadcaster travel at the start of the year. And, and part of that is obviously the, Safety of traveling parties and, and cutting down the size of the traveling parties. Part of that is just, um, certain stadiums aren't gonna have room. In Camden Yards last year, every booth in the press box was used for a specific purpose. Whereas in 2019, you know, there'd be an auxiliary radio booth just sitting there empty. Um, there was, I think, maybe a second booth that would not always be occupied. The booth next to the regular radio booth Some folks from the Orioles will usually just sit there, watch the game, the social media uh, folks or other people that are just there. And because of social distancing, we actually had to use every one of those booths last year. So I don't think there is space for visiting radio at every stadium right now. I think visiting TV, there would be more space. But from from what I can tell, it doesn't sound like at the start of the year, people are going to be traveling and then. You know, hopefully by the end of the year, the conditions will be safe to do so, but I, I don't know that. And I don't think anybody knows that at this point.
0: Yeah. Now I'm, I'm sure you don't have a a specific kind of schedule yet with the Orioles, but I I assume you'll be doing primarily radio. Is that what you anticipate?
1: Uh, actually more TV this year. So it's individual. So I'm going to do about half the games total. Um, I've, I've been fortunate to be able to keep building every year and, um, the partnership between New Orioles and ESPN, I have been very lucky they've been willing to work together. But yeah, it'll be about 60 TV and then 20 or so radio. So more TV based this year, but I still get to do some radio, which I love, which is great. Um, yeah, I feel like it's a best of both worlds scenario.
0: Yeah. Well, we're, we're certainly excited to, to see you get a little bit more involved and, and, and get your face on the screen a little bit more. Um, now I did want to talk about a few people who are no longer with Masson, uh, for, Whatever that reason may be, whether it's, it's being cut, having their, their contract not renewed, uh, whatever that is, there are some names that are no longer, uh, gonna be around and, and names that I know have influenced you, which you've mentioned to me. Um, yeah. Names like Gary Thorne, Jim Hunter, Tom Davis, Rick Dempsey, Mike Bordick, Dave Johnson. Uh, none of those faces will be back with Masson this year. Uh, so just on a personal level, what did those guys mean to you? And, and, and how have they helped you become a better broadcaster? Um, Become, you know, smarter, more well-versed and whatever that may be. And if you have any stories about any of them, please feel free to share.
1: Yeah. I mean, personally, all those guys were, were wonderful to me, welcoming warm from the first moment. I, you know, Hunter and, and DJ were in the car together at spring training. Uh, I think they called me the day after I got the job. Um, when I first went down to spring, you know, Jim took me out to lunch and really showed me the ropes. And I, I'm aware of the fact that. Um, A, I am young. And B, I look young. I mean, I, I look very, nobody ever looks at me <laughs> and is like, oh, but you're 42. No, they, <laughs> they undershoot. So, um, coming into every job, I'm the new guy that, that looks like he's 12, right? That's the stigma I'm used to having. It, like, it's, it's a, it's a fine stigma. There are many, many worse stigmas in the world. Um.
0: That's true. I, I used to have the same stigma until I figured yeah. out this quarantine beard.
1: Yeah, I can't. I, I tried a quarantine gear and that was just a huge <laughs> failure. So, um, for all those folks you named that have been covering games for so long and easily could have just dismissed me as some new baby-faced kid. And, and they didn't, they took the time to, to you know, go out of their way to, to say hello to me, to welcome me, to talk to me about the team, to, Talking about the city and the organization, and particularly Dave. I mean, Dave was my broadcast partner most of my radio games two years ago, and, and you know he and I really hit it off right from the first moment. Even though there's a big age gap between us, like we would just play traveling willberries and old '60s music in the booth before games with Tim Jones, who was a producer a couple of years ago, and um, and we got very close very quickly, and. Personally, and I, I've said this, you know, from business perspective, I'm never going to comment on any businesses that is not involving me because they are they are not my business, and I don't, you know, I don't right. need to yeah. do that. I barely comment on business decisions involving myself, but right. but personally, those guys are all great, and I, I'm just I'm struck by the way that they went out of their way to you know reach out to me to make me feel welcome because they had all been in Baltimore for so long, and they didn't feel. Per se threatened by some new young kid who's coming in. And I tried never to, I try never to come into a job and act like I know more than what I know. I try to be humble and know what I can and read up and learn the rest as I go along. But those guys were all great. And I, I hope I'll still see them around the ballpark. But you know, whether I do or not or in the city, wherever it is, I, I know we'll be friends. And it's, it's great to have ma- been able to make those friendships in the first couple of years.
0: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure they they certainly made you feel more comfortable. And and everything I've heard about about all those guys is just the, the best kind of gentlemen, the people you want to be around, and the people I'm sure you want to work with. Uh, yeah, now, pe-
1: absolutely. I mean, now- I haven't Sorry. even mentioned Gary. Like uh, the the unfortunate thing about Gary, I'll just say is that my first year, I filled in on radio generally when Jim was on TV, so we only got a couple of games working together. But again, as lovely as everyone says he is, he's Gary Thorne. Somebody I've been watching my whole life. So yeah, just to be in the same press box as those folks was, was really a thrill.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. Now, uh, a couple people you still do get to share a press box with, uh, one of them being Ben McDonald, who you, you worked a lot with last year. Uh, I think you guys make a great team. Is that, do you two ha- have that same chemistry, uh, off, off, I guess out of the broadcast? Are you guys, is, is that kind of a bond that kind of translates into TV? I,
1: I think it's legit. I, I generally think it's hard to fake on-air chemistry. Right. There are certain circumstances and certain people. I'm sure they've done it over the years, but no, I, 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 by and large, if I'm getting along with somebody that well on the air, we're getting along that well off the air. Ben is so perceptive, and I love asking questions, and I, I love setting up my analysts to to try and go deeper and. At any given point, I can ask him about a pitch or a sequence of pitches or what he thinks is coming up. I mean, people love that Tony Romo, right, came into the NFL and started calling plays before they happen. Like, right. I get to say, all right, two and two, Ben, what would you throw here? Why? And he nails it. He, he sees the game so well. Um, it's, Wouldn't it's you know fun what to,
0: to throw th- in that situation being a former pitcher yourself. Right. I mean, I
1: only sinkers. <laughs> <laughs> exclusively sinkers right. yeah i think i think we miss pretty well you know we it's kind of an odd couple type of thing i'm I'm up here in the northeast and ben's posting a picture of him wearing his camo out on the farm every day down in louisiana um but but we've hit it off pretty well and and i'm thrilled that i get to do even more with him this year i i think we i think we've grown to compliment each other pretty well and we honestly have only done you know a handful of games still in a couple of years. So I, yeah. I feel like that relationship is going to keep growing.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I, there is some more about that, um, you know, kind of setting him up for, for some, some different kind of analysis. I want to get into that in a little bit, but yeah. uh, another gentleman that you, you get to, to share a booth with and, and you haven't done a whole lot of as, as far as I know is, uh, Hall of Famer Jim Palmer. And now I'm sure it's, it's cool in its own right to, to be able to share a booth with someone like that. There's a contingent of Oriel fans who, and I I personally don't understand this in the slightest bit, but they they don't prefer Jim Palmer as a as a color analyst because he shares, quote, too many stories about himself. Wouldn't you do the same if you were Jim Palmer? If you were a Hall of Fame pitcher who won a World Series game in three different decades? I mean, he's the kind of guy you want to have in the booth. is, is that right?
1: If I had one thirtieth of the major league baseball success that Jim Palmer did. I would never shut up about it. So like I tell people about my triple play that I started in Babe Ruth baseball that one time once. So yeah, I, I think it's part of the charm of Jim. I mean, he's got a story for every occasion. I think we can um, find really fun spots to to build that into the broadcast. I, I understand that there are people um, that just want to hear about the game in front of them. I get that. You know, I, I, I do, I hear this on basketball sometimes from fans, like, Hey, will you guys just, just talk about the game? And by and large, we are here to call the game. Um, it, it's not a tangent factory. It's not talk radio, but the great thing to me about local baseball broadcasts has always been, um, the kinship that the broadcasters have A with each other and B with the community and the best teams. I always feel like are a couple of guys or a couple of women or or, or vice versa or, or one of each, but it's folks that are just kind of having a conversation and a friendly conversation and enjoying each other's company while also teaching you about the game. Entertainment is part of this. And I don't like to just only talk about the game on the field for three hours. Right. Again, maybe that's just a personal preference, but I think storytelling, you know, is more than only the story that's on the field in front of you. Um, I think you need to like the people that are calling the game. And I like it when Jim talks about the 1975 pennant race or 19-whatever-world <laughs> Part of the charm of a baseball broadcast to me is feeling like you're friends with, with those broadcasters, right? And, and I feel like everybody who watches Orioles games and watches Jim Palmer feels like, you know, they just know Jim by this point. Like maybe you know where he's going to go with some of these stories, but I, that's kind of the charm of it is that you're in on, um, on his life and, and you feel like you were there sometimes, even though you weren't there. Jim Palmer was the one who pitched. You weren't. So yeah. I, I, I just love people bringing out their personalities. And I think that's a really fun part of Jim's personality. So no, uh, I, when we do games together this year, I, I will not be saying, Jim, you can't tell any stories about yourself, putting the kibosh on it. I, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to kill that at all. I, I, yeah. I look forward to uh, maybe finding some different Palmer stories and, and seeing what I can get out of him.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm certainly excited to, to see if you two can, uh, can hit it off in the booth and, and I, I think it's, it's gonna be a good duo there. And, and like I said, you know, when I, when I started this question, I, I think we're incredibly lucky to have someone like Jim Palmer who can share those kind of stories on the air. I, I think it's great. Now, um, the next thing I want to bring up, uh, is, is kind of how you and I got in touch in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. it was a few months ago, whenever it was that the Orioles posted their, um, 2021, uh, on-air personality list, if you will. Um, and this was a couple days after it had been reported that Gary Thorne would not be returning, that Jim Hunter would not be returning. So it wasn't like it was a surprise to any of us. Uh, that being said, um, there were a lot of fans who were, were commenting under that tweet, who were not necessarily bashing, but not putting the, the personalities that are still, uh, in place with Masson, uh, in a, in a positive light. Um, and sure. I posted a tweet about how it's, it's okay to be frustrated that, that Gary Thorne's not going to be coming back. It's okay to be frustrated with how that situation was handled with him and the Orioles. Uh, it's okay to, to want to miss Jim Hunter because he's, uh, personally, he's, he was been with the Orioles since 1996. I was born in 94. So my entire life, Jim Hunter has been the voice of the Orioles. It's okay to be frustrated with that side of things without bashing the next crop. And, um, so I posted a tweet kind of telling Oriole fans from the, the platform that I do have, which I don't think is significant, but I think it was enough just to say, pipe it down a little bit. We, yeah, it sucks that we're losing some of these guys, but the next wave of people that are coming in are going to be just as good, if not better. That's the whole purpose of change. Is it disheartening from your standpoint? And, and you reached out to me to say, you know, Hey, thank you for, for sharing that. Um, it is kind of important to realize that, you know, we have feelings too. We're part of this job as well. And, and we want to be recognized and, and, and welcomed and with, with open arms. Um, is it disheartening to see fans react that way to a scenario that, that might be disappointing, but was perhaps necessary?
1: Uh, it, I mean, in, in a sense, um, I will, and I will say this, um, I, I, I messaged you this, but I, I appreciated the message and I know that the other folks did as well. Like people, you know, (laughs) I, 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 this is going to sound like the, the cliche thing you have to say, but it is true. I I swear it's true. I do not take any of that stuff personally. I, I really genuinely don't. Some people just have thicker or thinner skin than others. I guess it's part of the job. It's fine. Um, I get it to an extent. Like, Literally, Jim Hunter has been the voice of the Orioles your your whole life, right? You're not the only one in that boat. People have been watching Gary Thorne for years. Rick Dempsey, God, has been an Orioles fan's lives for decades. Yeah. So I understand it. People can be frustrated, confused, sad, whatever emotion they want to be. It is their right to feel that way. And... That's why I don't take it personally, because I know people are not attacking me or Jeff or Melanie or Brett. People are just upset. Um, People are upset because this is a big change. And that's part of life. You know, the, the challenge for us is to live up to those standards, which I think is going to be a fun challenge. I'm honestly looking forward to it. Maybe that sounds like a crazy thing to say, but I really want to prove to Orioles fans, many of whom are upset, and I get why. I want to prove to them that our broadcasts are going to be as good. I'm not going to have the same immediate natural pour with Jim Palmer as Gary Thorne because they haven't worked together, right? Jim and Gary worked together for more than a decade. Jim Hunter knows more about the team than I do because for more than two decades, he was one of the voices of the Orioles. So some things are going to be different for sure. And if I was a fan of a team, and I gotten used to the same voices for 10 15 18 22 years um it would be jarring as well so i totally totally understand people's base instincts um i i this is where social media is ugly when people start bashing specific people and venting and just letting their frustrations beyond a reasonable point. That's part of it. That's part and parcel when you log on to social media, whether it's right or wrong, and in this case it is wrong. You know you're going to get some of that. So so it does not bother me at all. But I understand the frustration and I I like really want to take it on as a challenge. I'm a very competitive person. I I'm a real I'm a real tough person to play ping pong against. <laughs> because if I win, I will really try hard not to gloat. And if I lose, I might throw the paddle into the wall. I'm not <laughs> proud of it. It's true. But yeah, I'm the
0: same I, exact way I get it <laughs> with, with ping pong uh, specifically.
1: Yeah. We'd have no paddles left by the end, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's not, it's not like I'm trying to go out there and like, and, and show up Gary Thorne. That's not it. But I, I believe in, in what I can do. I believe more accurately in what Ben and I can do and what Palmer and I can do and on the radio with Jeff and Melanie and Brett and I can do. I I think our shows are going to be really good. I think people are really going to like our broadcasts. I think people are going to feel comfortable. It might take some time. It will take some time for a lot of folks. That's okay. But I I am excited about the chance to show what we can do. And I maybe I'm crazy, but I don't have any doubt that Orioles fans are, are going to be happy with the broadcast we put out this year. It will be different. I get that. I'm not going to yell goodbye home run. I'm not going to say that ball is gone. That's not me. Those are those guys that I have to be my authentic self. And I will figure that out. We will figure that out all along the way. But I'm confident in saying that if people give us a legitimate chance, we're going to have some really, really fun broadcast this year. Yeah.
0: Now, do you have, uh, you mentioned goodbye home run. Do you have any type of catchphrase picked out? Are you just going to kind of let it, let it happen organically?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything. Um, I've never tried to force it. I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to force the home run call. Um, one day it might come to me. One day it might not. Some of the greatest broadcasters ever don't have a specific home run call. You know, Vin Scully didn't say the same thing on every home run, right? Right. But Gary Thorne did. And neither is necessarily better or worse than the other. So maybe one day it'll come to me. People can tweet me, uh, ideas if they want. I'll take them into consideration, but.
0: Hey, sure. No, right now it's just, I, uh,
1: I, I, I want it to happen organically, right? I don't, like, I'm not sitting in my den just watching old tape of Trey Mancini, just practicing different (laughs) phrases, going through index cards. Next, next.
0: Right. Yeah. I think that's the right way to go about it is just kind of let, let something come out one time and then, oh, that was good. Maybe I'll keep using that. I think I yeah. think that's the way to go now uh, I, and I
1: think people will know people will if 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 it's worth using, I'm sure people will realize it
0: oh yeah and and you're very active on on social media I'm sure if if you have a good home run call, you're gonna get several tweets that hey, you need to keep using that one we'll... I,
1: I suspect as much, and if I have a bad home run call maybe I'll get a few tweets to say don't ever say that again
0: <laughs> i I would not doubt it at all now uh I wanted to single out uh one one more of your coworkers uh melanie Newman um I feel like it's 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 a much harder path for a woman in sports to get to the point that she has, and she's done a fantastic job. Everything I've I've seen and heard from her to this point. What can you say about working with Melanie and and not necessarily what she's gone through to get here, but the path that she's taken, uh, and, and and just how cool is it to to be able to spotlight her in the baseball world?
1: First of all, when is this going to air? Uh Thursday. All right. So it's Tuesday right now. I'm currently locked in a Twitter battle with Melanie. Uh oh. <laughs> um, one of the Orioles accounts, I think it's at Madison Orioles with a Z. Oh yeah,
0: my, my buddy Freddie, he's, he's very yeah. good at the Twitter.
1: Yeah, Freddie has started Orioles Twitter madness and, and I'm locked in a 512 battle with Melanie. So, um,
0: I (laughs) guess by the time this podcast
1: starts, well, by the time this podcast starts, probably I will have lost already. I think she's ahead of me 55, 45.
0: Um, (laughs) I like that you're keeping tabs on it, making sure. Well,
1: I, I just look now, I've been bribing people. I bribe people with a high (laughs) five and then she bribed them with a high five and a selfie. And then I said, if you vote for me, high five, a selfie, and I will write a verse, um, of a song, uh, about you. But, um,
0: if you buy me a, but then she a,
1: twisted my words out of context. So, so we're, we're going at it a little bit right now. So,
0: the next um, Orioles but, game that, that, that fans can attend at, that, that you will yes. be at as well. If you buy me a, a Carvel ice cream helmet Sunday, I, I will vote for you twice from both my accounts in this, in this poll. I think okay.
1: that's fair. I uh, done. Yeah. Cool. Uh, done deal. I think that's totally fair. Cool.
0: You had my vote then. Uh, but yeah, well, talk about, talk about a little bit. Here's
1: where you remind me that when we go to the park, Carvel ice cream Sundays are like $75. It's um, insane. But they're
0: so good. I'll do it at least twice a summer.
1: Okay. I, I actually didn't get an ice cream Sunday two years ago. I have to do that too. I I didn't do it because I didn't want to, you know, you you don't want to, uh, spill ice cream on yourself before a game. It's a risk not worth taking in year one, but now it's year three. I can eat ice cream. Um, Melanie's (laughs) delightful. Melanie's delightful. She's a delightful human being. I got to do a couple of series with her last year and I really enjoyed it. I, like, you're right. I can't speak to her. Specific path, what she's gone through. I'm a white guy in sports. I'm the least privileged group. I have no idea what she's gone through, but she works two, three, five, six times as hard as me. I mean, she, I felt like last year she knew more about the team than I did. And it was my second year and it was her first. So I, I can speak to her work ethic. Um, we had met a couple of months before she got the job. We, we hadn't ever met before until. This game, it was a Birmingham Bowl 2020, uh, New Year's, I think January 2nd or 3rd, maybe, uh, last year. And she was on the radio call doing, uh, silent reporting. And I was on the TV call for ESPN. And we just got to talk into the press box. And we had a mutual friend at the time, Kristen Hudak, at the, at the time, PR director of the Orioles, um, amusingly enough. And, Melanie was telling me about what she had been doing. She was doing this game. She was doing sidelines for other games for radio. She was doing swimming and diving. Um, this and that ACC network extra. I mean, the, the girl just hustles. She hustles. She, she really, really works hard. She's put herself in this position because of her work ethic. And I'm excited that this year we'll hopefully get to do some TV together with her as the field reporter and me on you know, play by play. I, I think there are a lot of broadcasts that don't really use field reporters and sideline reporters as well as they can. Right. It's just like, all right, you throw them down for two stories a game, they should be a part of that broadcast. We should have a conversation. only knows the team as well as anybody. So I'm excited that we get a chance to, to work together more this year. But yeah. she is great. I wish I could say bad things about her and get myself some Twitter love. But since that poll will be over by then, I will tell you nice things.
0: That's, that's fair. You're a good sport. Uh, now, uh, you can, if, if we run and you have something you need to get to, by all means, cut me off. I do have a few other things I wanted to Number chat five. about if you have the time. Um, so one of these is kind of just a fun little tidbit from last year. So the Orioles lost 13 to two to Boston on opening day. And, uh, <laughs> during that game, Dennis Eckersley, uh, made a comment. He said, you know, what would be a tough job to be an announcer for the Baltimore Orioles and one of the i guess nessan writers tweeted out that quote Oriole fans got a hold of it we were none too pleased with mr eckersley
1: i kid you not i must have gotten a half dozen texts in the middle of the game wow like is yeah. in the in the 6th of the game friends of mine are like did you see what eckersley said which by the way i thought was i thought was kind of hilarious don't tell anybody that well i'm on a podcast now but but yes uh, i well Jeff I, I, had, was, I was I was aware of that right after it happened but go ahead.
0: Yeah. Well Jeff, Jeff had a, a great comment. He quoted the tweet and said it's it's my very first day. This is opening day for me. So it, yeah, it's a tough yeah. job. I'm Still getting used to it. Now, a month later, uh the the Red Sox were going through some struggles of their own and uh you had the play-by-play on that game. I believe it was on the radio, but nonetheless,
1: TV. It. I, that, you were my on TV. first my first TV series.
0: There you go. So, well then I guess that that leads me right into my question. Uh, cuz you said uh, boy, it must be hard to be a Red Sox broadcaster this season. Did, was that something that when Eckersley made his comment, did that put something in your head where, all right, I'm going to get back to him at some point this year? Or was that just kind of a spur of the moment? Wait a minute, the Red Sox are struggling. I can, I can kind of jab back a little bit.
1: It, it probably got wedged somewhere in my head when he first said it because honestly, I found it funny. And I, I know Eck is friends with, with Jim Palmer. I know they're very close. Yeah. And I, I, I get it. I know people were, were displeased with it. Um, I thought it was fun that the Orioles won the next two games.
0: Yeah. But I, I, I thought it was funny myself. I, I think I tweeted something like, uh, I was like, this is what we're upset about, really? Like, yeah. Have you, have you seen yeah. This, we this could all team? lighten up.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know, um, <laughs> I don't know when I decided to, to do it, but my first TV series, was that Orioles Red Sox series. I guess it must have been August last year, although what is time at this point? It was right. a four-game <laughs> series, four-game weekend series. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles lost Thursday, lost Friday, They won Saturday and a walk-off hit. Uh but Pedro Severino. And then it just popped into my head. I I I had the, you know, going into the series the Red Sox were really really scuffling. And they were in last place. As I believe they ended up in last place.
0: They did by one game.
1: That's right. 25 uh, wins to 24, I think.
0: That's correct. They have the higher draft pick, but it's okay because we get the bragging rights. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, At some point leading into this series, the Eckersley quote popped back into my head. And again, I don't like to plan things out on the air, but I thought if the situation presents itself, this could be fun. And the situation presented itself. The Orioles were leading in the eighth inning of the game on Sunday. They came close to blowing it in the ninth. I think Jackie Bradley <laughs> had a home run off Tanner Scott and then the go ahead run came to the plate. But thankfully it was hung on or else I would have really heard the back end of that. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, Eck was having fun with it. And, um, I wanted to have fun too. Again, like this, the, your local broadcast should just be a place you want to hang out. And it just felt like the kind of thing I would say to Ben if we were sitting on the couch watching. So I didn't necessarily expect it to blow up as wonderfully as it did. (laughs) I have not heard from from Eckersley. I was hoping he was going to like call me and try to shake me down. Unfortunately, I've heard he's a very nice guy, but um, because we didn't have any broadcast interaction last year, we, we didn't, we didn't need, you know, nobody was traveling. So no, I think I met, maybe I met Eck for five seconds two years ago. I had a Red Sox Mm game, but. That's it. I have thought he's a lovely guy. I have friends that have called games with him, but listen, I, it was a, it was a fun opportunity. I took the opportunity. I'm glad people enjoyed it. I'm glad nobody really got upset. And, um, I hope that this year will once again be a, a, a tougher year to be a Red Sox broadcaster. <laughs> yeah,
0: absolutely. It was a fun little back and forth. Now that kind of leads me into my next question. Uh, preparing to call games for a, not so great team, or let's just say a team with, with question marks surrounding, you know, the roster, sure. the future, whatever. It's a major that may be. league rebuild, right? Yeah, you exactly. Know, how do you, is. how do you prepare? Do you prepare any differently for, you know, there, I feel like there's gotta be some, something in you that you have to kind of boost your energy levels a little bit because, you know, us fans, we go into the game expecting, you know, we're not gonna compete this year. I think we've kind of come to terms with that, but perhaps in the next couple years. Um, whereas, Say you had been broadcasting for the the 2014 Orioles. There's a a natural excitement around that that kind of everybody's buzzing and the the energy level kind of increases. Sure. It. Um, is it is it more difficult to prepare for for perhaps a not so good team or, or do you do that any differently?
1: I can speak to my time in the minor leagues here because I called seven seasons of Triple A baseball in Syracuse, the then Chiefs, now they're the Syracuse Mets. Somebody is calling me right now. I'm going to hang up on that because I'm doing a podcast. It's Dennis Eckersley. Eck, what's hey, up? Hey, what about it? Um, <laughs> Eck, you're on the show with Ryan and Kevin. Um, I Anyway, I did six years AAA baseball, or, or seven years. Six of the years, the team was just bad. Losing record, never competitive, not in the playoff race. 2014, the Chiefs, who had the best record in the league, made the playoffs, won the division for the first time in 25 years. 2014 was the most fun. It's fun to be calling games for a winning team, yeah, but it's always fun, um, and I feel like in some way that gave me some practice for the big leagues. I wasn't always calling a playoff team. Um, I don't prepare differently. I can say that having gone through six losing seasons in the minors and one really wonderful season, the vibes around the ballpark are better, but the preparation's not different. I am also not in a position where I feel like I I will be lacking energy. And if you asked somebody who was calling games for 35 years in the bigs, they probably would give you a different answer. My goal has been since day one to be the least jaded person in the major leagues because I'm ridiculously lucky to be getting to call major league baseball right now. I am young. I look younger. And if the Orioles went 0 a 162, I'd have the time of my freaking life. I promise you that. Um, this is a ridiculously wonderful job. It's still a job, but I don't ever want to be the person that just bitches about having to call games for a big league team. Maybe in 10 years, uh, I don't know. I'll be <laughs> Jaden. I will be, but, uh, but, uh, but I'm not. And I don't ever want to get there. So. Yeah, naturally it's it's it of course it's more fun when the when the team is winning. Like if people tell you it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. It's more fun. Uh but it doesn't change the way I prep, it doesn't change the way I interact with people. If anything, it it makes you be better because you don't just have the the energy of the crowd and the force of a major league contending ready team right behind you. You have to dig a little deeper for stories. You have to find things that are more interesting. You know, if it's seven to one Boston in the eighth inning, and let's say it was a game last year, I'm just making this up, but let's say like Dylan Tate came into the game, right? It would still be interesting because maybe it would be Dylan Tate's third or fifth or seventh game of the season. And here's a young guy with really good stuff. And what did he work on in his last outing? And okay, the Orioles are down six. They're not going to win, but. This is an important inning because Dylan Tate might get a chance to work on his sinker and and he might get a chance to face J.D. Martinez and Rafael Devers and and learn something about himself. So there are always these individual moments and individual gains to be made, even with a team that is in a rebuilding phase. Most players that are out there are young and developing, and you can still point to their personal development and find that story. So... To make a long answer short, which is something I need to do a better job of. Um, there, there's always something going on, right? There's always a story with a player or a coach or a connection of teammates. There's always something going on. And I don't pray any less. In fact, it maybe makes you prepare even more when the team is not in major league contention right now.
0: Yeah. It could be more of a challenge to keep fans engaged when the on field product is, is not, uh, the best i guess uh now one more question about broadcasting specifically and then just yeah. uh, just a couple thoughts on the the Orioles as a team um one thing i've noticed with your broadcast is you like to bring uh some more advanced uh data and numbers with you uh and and um, you use some of that like you mentioned before to kind of set ben mcdonald up for for some good conversation and it it seems to me that ben has kind of um i'm not sure how big into analytics he was or is before he became a broadcaster but now that he's doing it uh he seems to have adapted very well um yeah. why is it important to you to to bring those kind of numbers that that some fans might not be as familiar with you know more than your typical you know home run rbi batting average uh why is that important to you and and uh and and why do you to, why do you make that a part of your broadcast
1: it's important to me primarily because This is the way that front offices talk about, analyze, think about the game. Every general manager, every assistant general manager, every analytics department thinks about the game in a certain baseline way. Maybe their metrics vary from team to team, but there are certain specifics That everybody in baseball that makes decisions thinks about now. And if we go on the air and we say he's hitting 290 with 10 home runs and 60 RBIs, we are teaching the audience nothing because nobody within the game thinks about the game that way anymore. Now, the challenge is if somebody is watching an Orioles game and let's say that somebody is 78 years old, and she's been watching baseball for 70 years, she might not know or he might not know about, uh, let's say, exit velocity or ultimate zone rating or fielding independent pitching. A lot of people have just been watching baseball their whole lives and hearing about average homers, RBIs. Wins, losses, ERA. Because front offices didn't always think about the game that way. And because it's just, it's hard for TV broadcasts to, to put the appropriate amount of nuance on that. Like, if I were to tell you, um, about Anthony Santander's season last year, there are a few different stats I could utilize. I could utilize his on base and his slugging. I could utilize how his walk percentage Increased last year, I could talk about how much higher his launch angle was. It's hard to get all of those into one graphic, right? I mean, big TV is a visual medium. Right. So it's still easy for, for broadcast to go average home runs RBIs and maybe like on base or maybe slugging. Um, because there's just nuance. Um, some players should have doubles, walks, stolen bases. Some players should have home runs on base slugging. It's different for everyone, and I don't want to boil every player down into the same three statistics. Especially when we just note that two of those are not predictive and are not that useful. So I think it's important to balance the two. I, I understand that the average home run RBI line isn't going away. I think there's a way to to use it as a gateway into some more advanced numbers. So I may say. You know, Hans Roberto is hitting 290. Rest in peace to form our great Hans better Not dead, but not with the Orioles. <laughs> um, I may say Hans Robert is hitting 290, but with only six extra base hits. All right, so I'm not giving you his slugging, but I'm at least giving you the the profile of him. And from there, I may go on to say his hard hit percentage is actually in the first percentile of the league. But he has all these singles. Or, you know, this person sitting 205, but they're in the 95th percentile for expected slugging percentage, which which is to say they're hitting the ball hard. They're just having a bad luck year. Um, that's how the game is viewed within front offices. And it's our responsibility, I think, to accurately portray that. And I do think there's a way to do it that's not just, oh, we're all nerds, right? We're all sabermetric nerds, right? Because unfortunately, that's it. Like, you still have goose gossip every year you're just throwing out crap like, well analytics ruins the game nerds ruin stop it every front office has an analytics department right every front office has bolstered that in the past 10 years there's no war on analytics it's over the war is over analytics won. that's the way the game is discussed and it's our responsibility to take the old numbers and to take the way that people used to talk about the game not kill all those but kind of softly move into the next generation i mean there's there's even a different now from a few years ago like on base and slugging and some numbers like that are just an easy part of the lexicon and there's a way for even more of those numbers to become integrated um i just think we shouldn't be afraid of them we should you know so a lot of people are afraid of it people who are doing baseball games that are 65 they've been calling games for, for 40 years um are afraid to change and I'm not 65, so it's easy for me to, to say what they should and shouldn't do, but we have to be honest with people. And maybe that's for me being in a younger generation, but, um, I understand that. I understand that's the way the game is, is talked about. And, uh, I, I'm not going to shy away from it because front offices are going to shy away from it. People need to know about it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I don't think I've ever heard Gary Thorne or Jim Hunter mention, you know, expected weighted on base average or, wins, runs created plus on the air. So definitely excited. It's a sign of the times that, uh, that these numbers are coming to the forefront and, and I hope you continue to, to use them as, as part of your broadcast. Now, uh, I do want to talk about the Orioles just a little bit. Um, I kind of just want to get a feel for the storylines that you're excited for this year. The obvious one is Trey Mancini returning after beating cancer. We're all very excited about that. He is too. Yeah. It's, it's great to see him on the field. Um, you can, you can certainly speak on that if you'd like to, but what are some other storylines that, that you're looking forward to following with the team this year?
1: I mean, I, I'll just say with Trey, if people haven't read Dan Connolly's piece, um, from Monday in the Athletic, please, please read it, subscribe to the Athletic, support journalism. But Dan spoke with Trey and his family and friends and teachers and put together basically a comprehensive look of who Trey Mancini is and specifically what he's gone through in the past year. Um, it's like, it'll make you emotional. So yeah, like every Orioles fan, I'm just so, so jazzed to see Trey out there. Yeah. Outside of that, what am I looking for? Um, back into the pitching rotation, number one. Who's going to take those spots? Uh, we know John going to be there. We're pretty sure Keegan Aiken and Dean Kramer and Jorge Lopez are going to be there. Jorge Lopez was up and down last year and didn't end the season very strong. But I think the Orioles still like his stuff. And he's out of options. Keegan Aiken, Dean Kramer, we all loved. I think they made a combined eight, ten starts last year. Somewhere season. around there. Um, what is a full season out of those guys going to look like? And who is the next wave? I, you know, I I think there are questions two through five in this rotation, and that's not to say they're all bad questions. I just I'm excited to see who claims those spots. I didn't think going into last year that. We were going to get the level of Dean Kramer. We did. He was one of the pleasant surprises. Who is the next pleasant surprise? Offensively, I really want to see a full season or close to it of Austin Hayes. I, I'm. I said last year before the season, somebody asked me, "Who's your pick for most valuable Oreo?" And I said, "I'm going with Austin Hayes because of what he can do defensively, offensively, and as a base run. And then he got up to a slow start. He got hit in the ribs. He missed a month. And that looked like a very stupid pick by me. But he did finish the season strong. You know, he finished the season strong when the Orioles were fading out of contention and the Ravens were starting and people just stopped paying attention as much to baseball. But very quietly, Austin Hayes had a great, great last couple of weeks. And Austin Hayes has not even played half of a major league season in his career. He hasn't even played eighty-one full big league games.
0: Right. But it feels like
1: he's been in our lives for five years. Yeah. Um, I think we all sort of forget about how exciting it was when Austin Hayes came up in twenty seventeen and then how exciting it was when he came up in September in twenty nineteen. But uh I, I am not forgetting. I I know Ryan Mountcastle's out there now and Anthony Santander is out there and Trey's back and there are a lot of headlines offensively. But I think Austin Hayes has a chance to be as good of an all-around player as anybody on this team. I want to see him stay healthy, play 140, 145, 150 games, because I think he has a chance to be a really, really special player. And offensively, in terms of the position players, he is the one I most have my eye on this year. I, I, I love what Cedric Mullins did last year. I think just as we were recording this, or just beforehand, he batted lefty and he triple against a lefty, Jordan Montgomery. Awesome. See what he can do as just a left-handed hitter. But Austin Hayes, to me, is as high a ceiling, all-around player as anybody in the outfield. And I, I hope he gets a chance to prove it over a full season.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I The one thing I have to say about Austin Hayes, a friend of mine texted me, uh, I, th- I believe it was last year after he got hurt, and uh, he, he texted me one question. He goes, is Austin Hayes Nolan Reimold? And that scared the hell out of me because I really don't want Austin Hayes to end up being the next Nolan Reimold. Uh, Reimel, of course, couldn't stay healthy throughout his whole career, yeah. had a high ceiling, but, but couldn't put it together. We obviously hope that, that Austin Hayes has a different fate.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't know, right? It's just, it's been a couple of random injuries. Like some people are injury prone. I mean, some people just get hit in the ribs.
0: Exactly. Yeah, it's not like
1: he's... If anybody got gotten hit in the ribs where Austin Hayes got hit, right, he would have been hurt. He hurt his thumb a year ago on a slide. And I think some of these are just freak injuries. So I don't think it means that he'll be hurt forever.
0: It's hard to put an injury-prone label on someone who's not, you know, out there tearing ligaments and and, and doing all those things. Sure. Uh, Well, that's all I've got for you. Kevin Brown, Orioles play-by-play broadcaster. I did not expect to talk for almost an hour, but I'm very glad we did. Thank you so much. Sorry, I have the time tendency to do, to do, do that. No, I, I I do the same thing. I, I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation, and, and I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And uh, I'm going to ask Melanie Newman to, to join me for an episode as well, so if you put in a good word for me, that'd be awesome.
1: Mm, we'll see how this Twitter
0: battle goes. <laughs> see who comes out on top. Kevin Brown, thank yeah. you so much. Thanks, Ryan. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that interview with Kevin Brown, Orioles play-by-play announcer for Mass, and I've been very lucky to have some guests on the show who have been really enjoyable to talk to. Um, people have asked me how I get these guests on the show, and it's really as simple as reaching out. Most people are generous and, and will say yes and, and will take a little bit of their time out of the day. Uh, so so I'm, I'm very gracious to Kevin and to, to Keith Law and, and Matt Blood and everybody who's taking the time to speak with me. It's, it's really been a delight. Uh, we'll be back with another one next week. Uh, one thing I failed to mention on the podcast is that, uh, if in case you have not heard, which I'm sure you, you have by now, uh, the gentleman over at Section 336 have uh, put together a bit of an Orioles post-game show of sorts. Since Masson has uh, cut theirs back to 15 minutes, we're doing one of our own. And, and I'm very fortunate that they asked me to be a part of it. And uh, I'll be making my debut uh, tonight, Thursday night, the 4th. And uh, I'll be participating in that throughout the year. They've already done a few shows, and we're going to keep doing that. We'll have a, a post-game show every game. And uh, it's it's going to be fun. A lot of uh, familiar voices that you've heard on other Orioles podcasts will be part of it, and, and we're very excited to bring that to you. So uh, keep an eye out for that. You can follow on Twitter at Birdland Sports. Make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Uh, our streams will all be live there, and, and we're looking forward to talking some Orioles baseball and, and recapping the games throughout the year. But, but as we lead into that, uh, we're going to be doing some of our own little podcast episodes, uh, some preseason, uh, just thoughts and reactions. And, 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 and we're very excited to, to bring that all to you. So like I said, follow at birdland sports, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, and YouTube. Thank you as always to Derek and Tony at Utah street report for hosting the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Ry Blake at OriolesFanProbs with a Z. Make sure you vote for me in the, uh, the, the bracket that, that Kevin mentioned in the interview, the Orioles, Twitter, uh, March madness of sorts. Um, Masson Orioles with a Z also is hosting that one on his Twitter page so uh, I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of it I am the uh, number 3 seed out of the, the rest of the the 48 not including the media so uh, uh, I, I hope to to go on a little run and, and, and hopefully be part of that bracket for, for at least a few rounds so uh, I'd appreciate your support vote for Oriole fan problems and uh, I'll be back with another episode of Give That Fan a Podcast next week